Thank you for joining Resurrection Lutheran Church this Sunday morning, giving praise with us for God's blessings of music, prayer, and scripture. I, Pastor Karen Perkins, will be sharing a message of grace, forgiveness, and hope. All of the worship leaders welcome you. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, whose steadfast love endures forever. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you always. And also with you. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. O God, we thank you for your Son who chose the path of suffering for the sake of the world. Humble us by his example, point us to the path of obedience, and give us strength to follow his commands. Through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Reflection before the children's message today. So you guys get a twofer. As you guys may know, I was out of town this last week and I had the opportunity to go see Pastor John at um, Zion Lutheran Church in Oregon City, Oregon. And on the drive to church, one, I will say Victoria is very attached to this sanctuary because <laughs> she was very reluctant to go to a new church. I don't want to go to a new church. And I said, but the pastor is my friend. And I've known them for a long time, and I would like to visit with them. And she goes, well, I hope she's really nice. <laughs> to which I responded, well, this pastor's a boy. Shocked. I will tell you my child was shocked. And the response was, boys can be pastors? <laughs> and I want to reflect on this today because it has only taken one generation. When I was a teenager, Pastor John told me, Amanda, you would make a great pastor. And I said, girls can't be pastors, right? Because I didn't know. I met my first female pastor that year. But in one generation, the first response of my daughter was, boys can't be pastors. <laughs> and that was a very proud mom moment for me, and I think for the church as a whole. So now it's time for our children's message. Hey, Victoria. Who do you invite to your birthday party? Mm. Do you invite your friends? No. No? Would you? I think you would invite your friends. You would invite, would you invite your grandparents? No. Yes. You want everyone? You want Oh, you've already gotten to the end of this, this children's message. Typically, if we were planning a party, we would invite who we know, right? Maybe if you're a kid, you would invite people who you knew would give you gifts, right? Maybe that's how you think about who you invite to your wedding. If it's a distant relative that you maybe have never spoken to, you might be influenced by what they could provide when they show up. Today's message from Jesus is that this party, this table... We're encouraged to invite those who can't reciprocate. We're encouraged to give our love to those who may not be able to give it back, as Jesus did. We're encouraged to invite everybody to the party and everybody to the table. And that's why we say this is not our table. This isn't the table of Resurrection Lutheran Church. It is the table of God. And that's our reminder today. You want to pray with me? Okay, I'll just pray. Dear God. Thank you so much for inviting us all to your table, inviting us all to your party. Even though we may not be able to repay what you have given us, 
encourage us to invite others who may not be able to do the same. Amen. I invite you to stand as you are able. Let us together welcome the gospel. observes guests jockeying for, pos uh, for position at the table. He uses the opportunity to teach his hearers to ch choose humility rather than self-exaltation. Jesus also makes an appeal for hosts to imitate God's gracious hospitality to those in need. The Holy Gospel, according to Luke, the 14th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. On one occasion... When Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when the host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return, and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. I want you to be seated. This text has um, a couple of connections with last week's texts and then the text we've been working on in Luke. First of all, in Luke, there are, there are lots of occasions where Jesus is eating with people and the teaching happens when Jesus is eating with people. So this is a, 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 an eating um, story and which, which consistently in Luke points us to the Eucharist. And the other stories that we have in Luke often are baptismal stories or stories that involve water or cleansing or renewal and uh, stories that, that attach us to, to, to baptism. Amanda started with the, the invitations. She talked about who do we invite, which, which easily parallels who invites us. Now, who here has ever done a seating chart for a wedding? Any? It's less common to do, you have a couple of people. Okay, it's less common to do assigned seating, I think, at a lot of weddings now. Um, more people are doing less assigned seating. But when you do assigned seating, first of all, you gotta figure out, well, where is the wedding party gonna be, the bridal party? And then where are the important people gonna be? And how do we make sure that the important people are at 
satisfactorily equal places so that one important set of people doesn't get offended about where another important set of people are. Some people actually worry about who likes each other at other tables. And then, you know, around the edge, you've got the also-rans, friends, friends from work or um, other places that don't get the priority seating. It's not a lot different from the wedding banquet here. I mean, how they arrive at who gets to sit where is a little bit different, but there's, there's the wedding party, there's the relatives of the wedding party, there's the people in age ranking at the wedding party, there are who are the highest people socially at the wedding party. And while, well, the other thing is that in, in the wedding imagery, almost always when Luke talks about wedding imagery, he's, he's talking about Christ taking, taking the church, taking humanity, taking the church as, as wife, as spouse. So there's, it's always going to connect back to that. Who, who, who is God calling us to be in this? But on a very practical level, we really do have to deal with who gets, and, and you know what? We don't only do it at weddings. We do it at birthday parties. We do it at funerals. You know, we reserve seats for particular people. We do it at award ceremonies. We do it, there are churches that do it. I'm, I'm grateful that that's not how we, how we determine seating here, but there are churches that do that. And all of it, all of it points to this giving particular deference and particular status to people based on our social norms that very often have nothing to do with Christian norms. And a lot of times we don't realize that. That's actually one of the, one of the biggest challenges in Christianity from place to place and from decade to decade is that a lot of times we take our social norms and we assume that they're Christian and we defend them as though this is the Christian way to do it and it's really just what's developed socially in our culture. And, and we give people status in our world. I think a lot of people here wouldn't take the highest seat, the best seat at the table. I think a lot of us, it's been ingrained. No way <laughs> do we take the seat, highest seat at the table. Have you ever been in the, the refreshments line where all the church people are going, please go ahead, please go ahead, right? <laughs> and nobody's going. Where do we get those, where do we get those lessons? Mostly. So, we have readings from lesson, but as individuals, most of us got those at home, right? From, from our parents or whoever raised us, whoever taught us, what was the standard of being polite? What was the standard of hospitality? Now put that next to the fact that also a lot of us in our homes had standard places that we <laughs> sat, or maybe even still sit. And if somebody sits in that spot, we get uncomfortable. 
of that points to transactional interactions, transacting status between the one with the higher status and the one with the lower status. So whether we are in a situation where we see ourselves as having higher status, or whether we are in a situation where we perceive ourselves as having lower status, if we're worried about who gets to sit where, and what is the, what is the benefit, what is the result in terms of status, and who gets something out of it, that's a transaction. It's one of the challenges that we run into when we're serving neighbors that are named here, right? It's the poor, and the, he says, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. I don't know if we specifically, well, first of all, we don't use crippled anymore, but we don't necessarily look for people with disabilities, but I mean, one of the things that, that we are called to do, we know, is to go and serve people who don't have enough to eat, don't have a place to stay, you know, need, need somebody to care about them practically as well as spiritually. But if we see that as a one-way transaction, it's still a transactional relationship because we are still putting ourselves in a higher position and giving to somebody in a lower position. It's tricky. We know we're called to include this group, but we are called to include this group at the table as equals. As equals, not the ones who get the leftovers, not the ones who get to come second, <coughs> not the ones that fit some category that we want to serve, equals. And while I would imagine most of us would say, yes, I, I, I believe these people are equals in God's kingdom, there's still a tendency to be the one who has and to give to those who do not have. That's not how God's kingdom works. Because what God talk, uh, Jesus talks about coming to the banquet with all the saints. All the saints are sharing with each other their giftedness. And the reality is that those people, even if they don't have monetary gifts, or they don't have social status, or they don't have some kind of power over us, they still have gifts that we need. They still have something to offer that we need to be able to receive. And that's the hard part. That's where the humility comes in. Not just the humility to include these brothers and sisters, but the humility to say, you know what, somebody who has been living on the street for three years and has PTSD and may or may not have enough to eat has something to offer me as a sister in Christ. I have something to learn from that person. I have a gift to receive from that person. That person being part of the body of Christ matters. Not because I give to them, they give to me in a transaction, but because in our relationships, 
in holy relationships, in partnerships where we treat each other as equals, we are all blessed. We are all strengthened. We are all given a glimpse of this feast to come. And we're invited to practice that humility because when we come to Christ's table, are we ever able to reciprocate? We'll never be able to reciprocate. We give offerings from what God has given us. We give them to the work of the ministry, the work of the church. But we will never be able to give back that invitation, that position of honor, that place at the table. So we are invited to come and receive honor without being able to pay it back. Try that. It is really, really difficult. Unless you need to, to make ends meet, it is difficult to receive and not feel some obligation to give back. Somebody invites you to a show, you're going to invite them somewhere. To dinner, you're going to invite them somewhere. You get, you know, food from a food pantry. As soon as you have the resources, you're going to give food. I mean, we, we have that, that uh, a lot of us value so deeply, um, so deeply embodied that it's hard for us to have the humility to just receive. But that is what we're asking other people to do when we do things like, you know, run the food pantry is receive. We tell them we're not asking for anything in return. How much humility do we need to learn from those people? Could you go into a line and receive food at a food pantry and not explain that you're doing it because your pastor said so or because you'll give back next time or for whatever reason? Can you just say thank you? That's the sort of humility that we're invited to bring to God's table because we can't, we can't reciprocate. This, this part of scripture is, is a profound call to equality and equality in our brokenness and equality in our giftedness. Because we're all both. And when you see you know, us going to the table, often we've got this sort of round shape or rail that, or continuous communion, all these different ways of showing that there's not a priority spot. The priority spot in our celebration is always, always going to be Jesus. But even Jesus says, I said that the right hand of the Father. I just invite you to practice that. Practice, practice that, that reception that, that comes with no, no uh, promise of yours to repay it or to do something to deserve it. Because you could spend your life trying to deserve the, the overwhelming 
love that God gives and, and not receive it. And then, see the next time that you're sharing with somebody who may have material less than you? Take a moment and think about, what am I get, getting out of this? Because I guarantee you there's some profound, profound growth that can happen in those relationships. Let us pray together. Gracious God, let us be united, communion, united at your table, united as your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you join with me in the Apostles' Creed? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. in God's extraordinary love, let us come here to the Holy One in prayer. For the church and its leaders, we pray, uphold all deacons, pastors, and bishops who serve and teach your people. Awaken in your church a spirit of invitation that reaches ever outward. Merciful God, receive our prayer. For the well-being of creation and its inhabitants, we pray. Stir in us reverent awe for the beauty of the natural world, for oceans and lakes, rivers and streams, forests and deserts, mountains and glaciers. Merciful God, receive our prayer. For the nations and peoples of the world, we pray. Sustain the efforts of those who pursue justice and equity for all. Defend and accompany all immigrants and refugees and all who are persecuted for their ethnic origin or religious beliefs. Merciful God, receive our prayer. For all who suffer in body, mind, or spirit, we pray. Be present with those who live in isolation or fear, especially those who are incarcerated or detained. Leora and others seeking house. Comfort all who are sick or grieving. Merciful God, receive our prayer. For this congregation and its ministries, we pray. Prepare children, teachers, and youth ministry directors for a new year of learning. Embolden our witness to invite others to the table. Merciful God, receive our prayer. For the ELCA and its leaders, we pray. Guide presiding Bishop Elizabeth Eaton, Alaska Synod Bishop Shelley Wickstrom, 
Bishop Tessa Moon, license of our sister synod, and Pastor Karen Perkins. Bless our neighbors in the Alaska Southeast Cluster and Petersburg Lutheran Church. Merciful God. Receive our prayer. For what else do the people of God pray? For the children who share, share the worship space as equals with us, for those of different races or different nationalities or different economic standings or political affiliations or other differences that share the same Christly table. For all the saints who confessed God's name, especially Augustine, Bishop of Hippo, and Moses the Black, we give thanks. May we cling to the promise of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Merciful God, receive our prayer. Receive the prayers of your children, merciful God, and hold us forever in your steadfast love through Jesus Christ, our holy wisdom. Amen. Amen. This is the part of our service where we lift up our gifts to God. We offer ourselves, our time, and our possessions. Members, of course, are encouraged to give our regular tithes and offerings through an assigned number, and we have regular vehicles for doing that. You're invited to go to our website and use PayPal or one of the other donate buttons that we have on the website. You can make a special offering to the RLC on KINY ministry, which helps keep this on the air, or to the RLC food pantry, or to Juno Live, which helps with community outreach. You're also more than welcome to come by in person or make a food donation. We encourage people also to be involved with the community and appreciate volunteers. All of these things are gathered together in song and prayer. Let us pray. God of abundance, you have set before us a plentiful harvest. As we feast on your goodness, strengthen us to labor in your field and equip us to bear fruit for the good of all. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And will you join in the mission statement? The mission, the mission of, of Resurrection Lutheran Church, Church is to promote spiritual growth in Christ and service to all people. The God of peace, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you, comfort you, and show you the path of life this day and always.
peace. Love your neighbor. Thanks be to God. This has been an abridged worship service of Resurrection Lutheran Church. You are welcome to join us for worship in person on Sunday mornings at 9.30. We are located at 740 West 10th Street in downtown Juneau. Our phone number is 586-2380. More information about our location, parking lot, current COVID policy, and other contact information is available on our website at rlcjuno.org. The website is also the best way to learn about what events are happening with the community outreach ministry, Juno Live. With a vital food pantry, bell choir, quilting group, Bible study, and others, there may be a ministry here just for you. Come and see.